Our passage this morning comes from Mark chapter 10. I invite you to read along in your copy of the Bible or the words will be on the screen behind me. Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, while taking a Sunday off from the church I was serving at the time, I attended a worship service at Duke University Chapel because I wanted to hear a sermon by Barbara Brown Taylor. If you're unfamiliar with Barbara Brown Taylor, you should know that she was an Episcopal priest who was plucked out of relative obscurity about 20 years ago when Time Magazine named her one of America's top 10 preachers. Since that life-changing event, Taylor has spent her career writing and teaching and speaking to people like me who get all excited about going to hear various preachers when they're in the area. But the sermon that day ended up being material for a book later entitled, Learning to Walk in the Dark, because she felt that darkness, as we know it, has gotten a bad rap on our society. Consider when an essay begins with the phrase, it was a dark and stormy night. We know things are serious. We spend a lot of money on security lighting, those motion-sensitive lights that go off as soon as there's some movement we can't see in the dark. Because obviously we don't want to get stuck in the dark. However, she said, we need darkness not only for the life-giving REM cycles that happen in the dark, but for walking outside under a blanket of stars, far away enough from the big city that we can see clearly the Little Dipper or Cassiopeia and Orion. And seeing the stars clearly through the darkness, we can from time to time see our own lives with the clarity we were missing before. We need the darkness, she says. Without it, we can't hope to see the light. And this morning we hear a familiar story of darkness, of a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, who appears in the 10th chapter of Mark's gospel. Now placing the story within the greater landscape of Mark's story, we encounter Jesus and his disciples right before the beginning of the week that would lead to Jesus' crucifixion. Remember that week began with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem where people would lauded him as the Messiah and the story went from there. But if we back up a few days prior to that, we find Jesus and the disciples visiting the city of Jericho. Now Jericho is famous because of that battle 
of Joshua in the battle of Jericho. It was a bustling, busy city on an important port. And we don't know why Jesus and his disciples had stopped there, but we know that by the time they had left the city, they had attracted quite a crowd of followers. People who were interested in Jesus' message and were following the crowd and as they pressed around him, trying to hear what he was saying, hoping to witness a miracle, wanting to be a part of this movement that he was creating. Remember, by this point in the story, the excitement was building and the people were clamoring to be close to Jesus. The text tells us that as Jesus and the crowd were leaving Jericho, there was a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sitting on the side of the road near the entrance of the city. And for the next few minutes, I want you to place yourself in the place of Bartimaeus, in Bartimaeus' shoes in that moment. Because sometimes passages in the Bible can be so familiar to us that we miss some of the details that the text might be saying to us. And today, after all, this passage is about seeing, which is something the disciples in the Gospel of Mark had a little bit of trouble doing. Jesus asked Bartimaeus a very important question. What do you want me to do for you? If Jesus were to ask you that question, what would you say? Because you may have found yourself at one point like Bartimaeus. You may have heard your deepest desire leaping from your lips before you could snatch it back, before you could think of a more reasonable request. But this is a vulnerable moment. And Jesus is standing there, and he's the one who's in front of you. So think about that. Because I'm sure you've probably thought about it many times, but you still don't know why you did it, why you threw off that cloak. The whole thing just happened so fast, but before you knew it, there you were on the road. You couldn't see him. You hadn't seen anything since childhood. Nothing. But you could hear him, and you could sense him. And before you knew it, others brought you to him. Then there was a burning heat, and then a milky whiteness, and something started to come into focus and it was his face. His face. Those kind, penetrating eyes, that light smile as he dismissed you on your way and as he went on his way and he was gone. Meandering off down the path, the crowd on all sides, sometimes they would sail smoothly along and other times it seemed like the crowd was just pushing Jesus back and forth as they were eager to touch him and to talk to him. And that, in the end, was the final image you had of him. And thinking about the details, so what is it about the cloak? Why, generations later, when your story would be told that such a detail would be included? It's funny about what gets included in the story. Your loud shouts that rang out above the murmuring of the crowd. Son of David, have mercy. The shushing of the crowd. Don't bother him. He's a very busy man. He's on his way to Jerusalem. 
And then that cloak fluttering to the ground as you made your way toward him. The question, so simple, what do you want me to do for you? The answer, teacher, Lord, let me see again. And of course, the miracle of healing. Of course, the miracle would be included in this story. But the story leaves out some certain things, like how you woke up that morning, the warmth of the sun on your face, the sounds of the world stirring around you even though you couldn't see them. And it seemed to be a day just like every other day. You went about your business, you recognized the voice of a friend along the way and exchanged superficial words of greeting. How are you? Fine. Nice day. Good to see you, the friend would say, and parting and you would both laugh because, well, you know. And it was funny, except it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny at all, this loss of vision. But, you know, you're cheerful in the midst of it all. Who are you to complain? There are plenty of people in the world who have it worse off than you do, right? God must have something to teach you in this time of blindness, right? Or maybe you feel like you didn't deserve to see. Or maybe you felt like God was punishing you for something. Or maybe God was simply absent to you. But of course the story doesn't reveal any of that. The story brushes past all those questions and doubts and fears and how you had to push them to a place just deep down because to deal with them would simply be too hard. It's hard enough to be blind, but to have this secret despair too? No, it's better this way. The keepers of your story just simply wanted you to be a blind beggar. You have a name, you have an affliction, but that's about all you have in this story. It makes the story more dramatic anyway. You were blind, but now you see. It makes for great theater. You were supposed to be an inspiration, you see. You're supposed to be the one who had so much faith that you can't be stopped. You can't be silenced. You just know that Jesus is going to heal you. But there's more to this story. The story doesn't reveal how it wasn't just faith that day that made you call out to him. It was desperation. The story doesn't tell what it was like to sit by that road day after day with people walking by and all their business and busyness, working hard, getting ahead, and knowing there was no way you were ever going to come out on top. Oh yes, even blind beggars have aspirations. Of course you did. And it was impossible not to compare yourself to others. The people rushing by, heading to the market, hurrying home after a long day, working in the field. And so on this day, like every other day, you heard the crowd coming and you felt the tiny tremors of their footsteps on the dirt path and you inhaled the dust that they kicked up and it made you sneeze. And you thought, well, here comes another group of them. And you got ready for them. 
reaching out to them in your own way, saying, notice me, acknowledge me as a human being, please. But this time you heard something different. Not the normal conversation, but something exciting. It came in snippets because, of course, they weren't talking to you. You just merely overheard. Words like Savior, marvelous deeds, healed, exercised, son of David. Could it be? Could he be the one? Could he be the king, the Messiah that everyone had been waiting for? The one who would bring them victory and military might? It had to be. The king of kings, infused with strength and power and might. It was more than faith. It was desperation. It was nothing left to lose. And before you could stop yourself, you called out, Son of David! And then you thought, oh no. If he's as great as they say, if he's the anointed one, if he's the king, he could strike me down right here. Who am I to him? And so, to protect yourself, you call out to him, Have mercy on me. Don't strike me down. Look with favor on me, even though I don't feel like I deserve it. Again, you call out to him, and people are trying to make you be quiet, and you won't let them. And again, you call out, Son of David, which might as well be saying, Oh, my king. And again, you must beg for compassion. Have mercy on me. And then the murmuring stops. The dust settles. And all is still. Your heart is filled with excitement, but also a little bit of dread. It's quiet, too. It's too quiet. And in, for a moment, you're afraid. Maybe I shouldn't have called out to him. Who am I to bother him, the son of David? But then a few people came to you, and they see the fear on your face. They see what it took for you to speak up, and they try to reassure you because they say, take heart, or cheer up, or have courage. And they tell you to come. And then there's that moment. The cloak comes off and there you go. And you still don't know why you threw off the cloak. Maybe it comes when it comes right down to it, you were ready to face the son of David. No protection, no shield, no reminder of who you were before that moment when you called out to him and put your life in his hands. Or maybe you thought, He'd be angry that you disturbed the festivities, the parade into Jerusalem. After all, you think, who are you to him? Nobody. Maybe you took off the cloak in case he wanted to have you flogged because that's what they did to people who got flogged back then. Their cloak got stripped away. Maybe. After all, you thought you were nothing to him, right? 
But you were wrong. So wrong about him. You knew from that moment you came face to face to him. From that moment that you stood eye to blind eye. It wasn't like that at all. Yes, he was the king. He was the son of David. But you didn't need to worry. You never needed to fear because he cares. With all the blindness and doubts and fears, he cares and he cares for you with such compassion. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And it feels like such a gift, that question. You didn't know this at the time. You would only find out later as the story was retold to you that Jesus had just asked this question to his disciples. What do you want me to do for you? And you know what they wanted? They wanted to sit with Jesus on his right hand and his left. It wasn't the answer Jesus wanted. And maybe if you had known that story, you would have answered differently as well. Maybe if you had been in your right mind, you would have asked for something for someone else, for everyone else. Peace, justice, to end hunger, or war, or disease. You wanted to be a good steward of this opportunity because whatever you asked, he had the power to grant it. But then like a child, before you could stop yourself, you answered, my teacher, my Lord, let me see again. And it happened. In that moment, you could see. And not only that, but the hurt and the despair were gone too. You were well. You were whole. And you were free to go. He said so. Go your way. He said. And you thought, my way? My way? My way is with you. Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I am is yours. I'm not going to go my way. I'm going to follow you on your way, wherever that way leads. And you know now that that way leads to Jerusalem, to a wonderful festive celebration, which would turn to betrayal, which would turn to crucifixion, which turned into glory. And your story became a part of his story. You didn't ask for world peace or an end to hunger or war or disease. You asked for yourself. And that's exactly what he wanted you to do. Because once you were healed, you committed to live your life for him. Once you accepted that grace that was offered, you gave it all. You risked it all. You gambled it all in return. And you became an agent of peace and justice in the world. The story started with a healing. And it ends with service. So what are we to take from this encounter between Bartimaeus and Jesus. 
in a world that sometimes seems filled with darkness. And even though we try our best, like the disciples, we stumble around in spiritual blindness. What is it that Jesus wants us to see here? Might I quickly suggest three things. First, I think Jesus wants to show us that people like Bartimaeus are people of value and worth. In this passage, seeing beggars on the side of the road at the entrance of a city was nothing new, nothing surprising. There were no social services in Jesus' day. So the only way a person who could not work could make a living was to sit and to beg in order to have enough money to eat. In the other two gospels where this passage is found, the beggar is nameless. And even in Mark's gospel, he's not given much of a name. Bartimaeus, which literally means son of Timaeus. Yet it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Jesus is on a mission. One would think that Jesus has more important things to do than to stop and help a blind beggar on Horner Boulevard in Sanford. Jesus, as one might say, has a bigger agenda. Yet he stops and he calls out to Bartimaeus. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, who has all the power, shows that God is imminent, that God is personally present with us. The God that is high above stoops down low because he sees Bartimaeus and you and me and everyone else we encounter as a person of value and worth. It reminds me of a time a couple of years ago when our youth were on a mission trip to Washington, D.C. We were with the camp staff and with the youth from some other churches and walking down a street. And if you look all around, you saw people sitting on the side of the street with cups in front of them, wanting people to come by and give money. And something that one of the camp staffers mentioned is that in some conversations with those who are begging, they understand that people aren't always able to give. But just the fact that those who are begging are acknowledged, that other people see them and say something to them, that they are seen and valued as a person, can do more to lift their spirit than the money that they receive. And as opposed to just passing by and ignoring them. God loves everyone. And Jesus sees each person as a person of value and worth. And he calls us to do the same. The second thing I think we need to see comes from Jesus telling Bartimaeus, Your faith has healed you. If you recall a previous sermon from a couple months ago, it's the same phrase in Mark chapter 5 that Jesus tells the woman who's hemorrhaging blood, your faith has healed you. And part of the healing process for that daughter of Israel and for Bartimaeus was to step out in an act of faith. It required an act of faith on their part. She tracked down Jesus to touch the hem of his garment. Bartimaeus called out to the son of David in faith. And threw off his cloak to get to Jesus. I think sometimes it's easy when we pray. That after we pray we just sit back and wait for God to do God's thing. 
in trying to answer our prayers or to give us what we want when perhaps the answer that we need is contingent on us taking a step of faith and then allowing God to do the rest. Finally, it's that question that's the sermon title today. What do you want me to do for you? It's a personal God asking a personal question to you. We hear so many things in our world today. Partisan political ads as we near election day. The aftermath of dealing with hurricanes. The news of yet another mass shooting. This time at a synagogue in Pittsburgh. There's so much noise going on in our world but do we hear the call of God and Jesus who is concerned with our deepest desires what do you want me to do for you Jesus asked what are your deepest desires is it to mend your broken family relationships provide meaningful life-giving work to create new lifelong friendships to heal your body physically, give you peace of mind, erase all your anxieties and fears about the future, give you the courage to try something new, be given the ability to forgive an enemy or to learn to love again. What do you want me to do for you? I'm not the one asking this morning. Jesus is. And it's my hope that by hearing, you may see and follow him on the way, perhaps even joyfully dancing in the rhythm and gentle grace of God. Because that's what I imagine Bartimaeus doing. As he got up and went along his way, Perhaps even singing, I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, on this day you call us to come to you. You ask each of us, what do you want me to do for you? In so many ways, Lord, we wish to see. We wish to follow. We wish to be healed. May we see how deeply you care for us to ask us that question. And may we respond this day with our deepest desires. For it is in your name we ask and pray these things. Amen.